How are the levels now, Sean? Are the levels good now, Sean? Sean, are they good now? How about now? What about now? Are they good now? Are they good now? You're adjusting something. We're recording, Sean. This is going on the podcast right now. We're, good live. now? We're live. We're live. Everything that's happening now no, is happening, happening now. now. Okay. Hey, welcome to How You Play the Game, the official podcast of Whoops. the Osa <laughs> Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the second episode of the month of July, the year 2018. Glad you can be with us. Across the way, Mr. Sean Ryan, the producer engineer. Welcome, Sean. What's happening? Oh, I got back from California. How was California? It was great. It was not a cloud in the sky every single day. Saw some sunsets, saw a lot of scenery. That's a that's a good thing. It was great. Uh, drove from San Francisco all the way down to L.A. and it was we spent ten days there. You so. you reminded me of the old Lewis Black joke of the easiest job in the world has got to be the weatherman, weatherman in San Diego. In San Diego. Let's go to the weather now. What's the weather going to be like now, Bill? Nice. Nice. Back to you. Yep. <laughs> And that's literally what it was yeah. every day. Oh, I can it imagine. It was just, it's a different country out there, yeah, it seems like. exactly. It's just, it's, it was beautiful. Well, I well, would definitely go back out there in a heartbeat. Oh, well. Once I regain my funds I was that I say, lost. I, I was going to say once, you know, once witness protection's over, but that, right. that works too. So anyway, uh, we're, we're back after the, uh, the very special episode we had uh, last time. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. We seem to get a lot of positive feedback about Tons. it. I mean, it was Tons. it was it was really fun to do, and um, we hope to do more of that in the future. If anybody has a sportsmanship story that they'd like to share with us, that you'd like us to talk about, or maybe even if uh, we deem it necessary, we can even have you on. Uh, we do now have a uh, a form that you can fill out on our website. Just go to osipfoundation.org, and um, under the how you play the game tab you can see the uh submit a story uh option where you can fill that out and send it to us and uh get in touch with us and we'd love to hear from you so that we can see what's going on in the in the local community or even beyond that and um so, I, you know get involved i thought it was a great time um pretty enlightening oh absolutely i and and i, I not only for you and me but 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 i feel like um they sort of learned a lot from each other yeah, and how, um, how both worlds kind of work. Yeah. And I feel it was pretty enlightening for our listeners based on our, based on the feedback we've gotten. You know, it's funny because those three worlds, the worlds of the the listener slash fan, the world of the umpire and the world of the player, they, you know, they don't always understand one another. I mean, I would assume that maybe the world of the umpire probably has a little bit more of an understanding of the other two worlds because usually if you're an umpire, especially at this lower amateur high school level, you probably played at one point and you were probably still a fan. But that's kind of it, you know? So it was it was just a great time. I think we all had a had a blast, had a lot of laughs. Um, I hope Paul is still working on drawing straight lines, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, but it was fantastic. And, uh, so we encourage everybody to, to follow in those footsteps, uh, send us your stories so that we can, uh, we can get involved with that. We, mm-hmm. you know, we hopefully that we can, we can have, uh, we can have more people on the show like that. And I, and I wanted to just do, you know, a, a quick shout out to Bobby who, who was there too. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the listeners really got sort of an inside peek to how the umpiring world, um, operates in a way right. and, and hopefully will affect how they view their job within the scope of a sports contest right. in the future. Right. So th- I think this was really for the fans. It was as, it was an important, as much as anyone else. Agree. It was an important emphasis because you know I can I can drone on about umpiring all I want. It's not until someone else gets on and says, Yeah, Jack, you were pretty much right and then elaborates yeah. on it that, that yep. I think the point really hits home. You know, it's funny when I have my students because, you know, we, we teach music as right. well. I have them involved in this festival, this yearly festival where other teachers evaluate them. And I could tell them till I'm blue in the face how to play something, but they need to hear it from someone else right. in order for it to sink in. That's the, that's the same thing that happens everywhere. Yeah. I, 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 a great story, uh, kid who used to live 
down the street from me was a, was a good ball player growing up and his dad used to tell him all the time I need you know you need to be doing x y and z with your swing cuz you're you're struggling in these areas and he just would not believe his own father so the dad called me up and said here's 50 bucks go work with my son for an hour and tell him the things that I've been telling him <laughs> and I said Okay, thinking, okay, maybe the dad's wrong and whatnot. And I go in and I look at him and I go, no, the dad's pretty much right. So I tell him the exact same things. And sure enough, he starts doing it. Yep. You know, so that that phenomenon does exist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so get in touch with us if you'd like to share your stories so that we can, we can get involved with that. Uh, as always, we encourage you to stay involved with the show. Not only is the email address um, podcast at osipfoundation.org, but facebook.com slash osipfoundation and uh, Twitter is at osipfoundation, hashtag how you play the game. And uh, we want uh, we want you involved as mu- as much as possible. You know, if you don't have a story, share your comments on what we have to say. Let's keep the conversation going because that's the only way that these topics will evolve into uh, applicable lessons that we all kind of learn from and adapt to, and and et cetera. So that's that's what we want. That's what we need. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, the subscriptions and the reviews and the stars are great too. So we're not going to neglect that. But of course, let's uh, let's dive right into it because sure, what we did was we have a a plethora of stories to discuss since the last episode. We didn't discuss any of those stories, so we're going to just kind of breeze through them and talk about them. Great. Um, why don't we start with the World Cup? Sure. Because I got three World Cup stories, two good and oh, one wow. bad, okay. that uh, that we can talk about. So we'll start with the good. We'll, okay. sam- we'll do the positive, negative, positive sandwich. Exactly, exactly. So this one took place chronologically first. Okay. okay? Um, we all know about uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, the, uh, the, the team from Team Portugal. Mm-hmm. Okay? So when the bus for... Uh, Team Portugal was about to uh, take off to get them to the airport to um, take them to Russia. Mm-hmm. This kid comes up to the bus like he would, was trying to meet Ronaldo, and he was late, and you know he really wanted to meet him. And the kid was just like, you know, I, I guess beside himself to a certain degree. And uh, and and I don't know if he started crying right there, but Ronaldo saw this, got off the bus takes pictures with them, hugs them. Like, you know, like a lot of these sports stars, they might come out and grab a quick picture or sign an autograph and then get back on the bus. This dude stayed out there, took his time, like hugged the kid, talked to the kid, like Mm -hmm. said, no, we're going to wait until I'm done with this kid. And the kid was just bawling with tears of happiness. It was amazing to Mm. see that this guy, this guy gets it and just said, I'm, you know, these fans are... What what's what drive us because of the support that we get? We cannot um, neglect them from that standpoint. Right. And sure enough, he 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 did that. So so a big kudos to Ronaldo for 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 taking the time. Uh, it says here, uh, Ronaldo went the extra mile to make the fans day. He gave the kids several hugs, a high five, signed his jersey, and posed for a photo. Just just absolutely the whole fantastic. nine yards. Everything. That's great. Anything and everything. So wonderful. Great job there. Good. Okay, the bad. All right. So, uh, England played Sweden during the knockout round of the World Cup, and England won. So, fans of England decided that the best way to celebrate was to storm into an Ikea in London and trash the place. Let that sink in for uh, a second. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because IKEA, <laughs> the Swedish company, had everything to do with the World Cup. So we're going to celebrate England's dominance over Sweden in the World Cup by trashing a by trashing a furniture. A Swedish store. owned. Exactly. Exactly. Of course. Didn't even get the meatballs. Or the Lincolnberry. You, you know, know look, yeah. see that that's that's where the real bad sportsmanship right, exactly. is. Um, <laughs> now, while we while we wag our finger at these fans, uh, it is necessary to uh, at least tip our caps to IKEA, who took the high road with this. Um, IKEA via Twitter did at least congratulate 
uh, England and also promoted a, a fish and chips special as a result of it. So, like, they, they took it in stride. You know, they could have eaten. This was after everything happened? Exactly. Like, like, you know, it's one thing. You know, I wouldn't have blamed them. I don't think anybody would have blamed them if they were like, this is a shame, really. We, you know, why are people storming us? Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. They took it in stride. And they didn't have to do that. Right. You know? So, so a, a tip of the cap to, to Ikea, but a wag of the finger to the, the English soccer fans mm. for, for such a horrendous display of poor sportsmanship. So back to the good. And you sent me this one literally moments after I found it. So this is how important of a, of a story this is. When Japan lost in the World Cup, they took the time to not only clean their locker room to the point where it was spotless, but to leave a, a thank you note in Russian for their, their, their hosts. Um, there's, a, there's a great photo of it that you can see. It was um, just immaculate. Exactly. It was, and yeah. and in top, on top of that, mm-hmm. the, the Japanese fans hung back after the matches to help clean the stadium. Like uh, wow! Yeah, they didn't have to do that. Just, 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 a, just an amazing thing to the, done by, by the Japanese. Uh, you know, and an amazing act of sportsmanship. You know, people it, could really learn from that. It's funny because, <laughs> you know, I wasn't following the World Cup religiously, but I would obviously see the matches and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The the emotion that these fans would have you know really it made me question it a little bit like wow you know their team loses to, and people are bawling their eyes out and whatnot i'm like okay i get it you got to wait another four years and whatnot mm-hmm. but it just there's something about it you know the people really invest in this and as long as they do it the right way you know let them react however they want to so that's the world cup let's switch to um, how do you want to do it? I've got I've got one more good story in hockey, and then the rest are bad baseball stories. Hmm. Should we group them according to sport, or should we do the positive negative? Let's group them according to sport, since we did that with the World Cup to start. Okay. So let's get this one more good story out of the way, and then the rest of the of the episode can be a complete downer. <laughs> Strap in. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this one was actually sent to me by our good friend Ian Grimley, who has been on the show before to talk about mm-hmm. hockey. Um, when the Washington Capitals defeated the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup, um, there is a fan club uh, that's been going on with the Capitals for about 18 years now. And the... Uh, founder of this fan club sent uh, a letter to the Knights fans and basically praised them as the classiest in the league. And mm. I think that one of the biggest things that that did this was um, when when the when the Knights lost in Vegas. Uh, in the final game when the Caps captured the Cup. The Knights fans were gracious enough to, to encourage the Caps fans who have been waiting for this to come down closer to the ice to, to, to experience it. You know, the Knights fans, you know, they're, they're stunned. They're kind of standing there and whatnot. But then they turned around and they were like, come on, this is your moment. You know, come on down and, and get involved with this. So, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a another... Tip of the cap to during the game, to, right after they won. Oh, good! You know, as soon okay. as they won, the you know the Knights fans, you know, who were bummed for losing, you know, they you know they they then allowed those Capitals fans who had been waiting for this for so long. Loud. What's that? Loud or loud? They they lauded lauded them. I think it's loud. Is that what I said? No, you said loud. I said loud. Yeah. I, I got to stop drinking. Okay. Anyway. We'll save that for later. Maybe I said allowed. 
as an A-L-L-O-W-E-D. Oh, maybe, because lauded wouldn't make sense completely. They allowed yeah. the, the Okay, maybe fancy. I heard it. Maybe I did. I want the last 20 seconds of my life back. <laughs> <laughs> this is all happening right now. This is not being erased. <laughs> but anyway, a good job by the Golden Knights fans to recognize That's great. The, the nature of the situation. Good. Um, so so kudos to them, especially and and kudos to the Knights in general being their first uh, first season and making it to the Cup Finals. Yeah, you know, so so just a just a you know an all around good job there. Yeah, um, you know, although I was when I was catching some of the the games, I saw that it was it was the the playoffs this year were very very chippy. You know, when we talked with Ian, uh, you know, he noticed that. You know, as you get into the playoffs, you get less fights and whatnot because it's too important to you know be in the penalty box and mm-hmm. this, that, the other. The playoffs this year were very physical, and um, it was almost the complete antithesis of what Ian was saying. Yeah. So you kind of wonder exactly what was going on there. But mm. as per tradition, when that final horn sounded, everyone was friends again. So right. it's just it's just a weird phenomenon to me. Mm. But uh, it is what it is. Yeah. All right, so now let's get really depressed. Good. Let's, I can't wait. I know. I've got my coffee. I'm good to go. Okay. So we'll start with the easy stories and then move into the ones that are a little bit more... Heavy? Yeah. Okay. So this one happened recently. Uh, I'm a little down on the Tampa Bay Rays. So in the course of a few days, this is what they did. So first of all, the Yankees are in town... On a sun uh, on a weekend, so it's the last game of the series on a Sunday. Okay. During this game, as the Yankees were trying to come back and win the game, and they ended up actually getting swept by the Rays, Clint Frazier hits a ball that was going to leave the stadium. It was going to be a home run. Now, if you've ever seen Tropicana Field where the Rays play, this is an enclosed dome that has a number of catwalks. Right. Okay. And they have specific ground rules for these catwalks. Yeah. Okay. The ball that... Like each ring, right? Each ring has a specific What rule. are they? Do you remember? The A ring, B ring, C ring, D ring, and I believe... I want to say... I can't remember which one is which, but one of them, it's a foul ball. One of them, it's a home run. One of them, the ball is in like play. Like the center ring is the E ring? Is or the D no, ring? No, I think the A ring is the, is the small one that's okay. at the top. I'd have to go back and look. But anyway... The ball that Frazier hit, mm-hmm. it it caromed off of a speaker that was attached to one of the rings. Okay, according to the technology, this ball would have been a home run had that speaker not been there. But the ground rules state that when it hits that speaker, it is in play. So I think it was the shortstop caught the ball, and it was an out because it's considered a fly ball still at that point. Mm. Anyway, the point wasn't that the Rays play in this this garbage arena where that's you know unfair. If you go into the trop to play, you know the ground rules going in, right? You know, so we're not complaining per se. And about, it applies to both teams, exactly. So. so it's not the ground rules and whatnot that that are the right. problem. The problem is that the day after that happened, the Rays through their Twitter account sent a quote unquote bill to the Yankees for a new speaker since he hit the speaker. Okay. Um, basically saying like you owe us $3,000 or a new speaker for hitting that. <laughs> it's a little bit of internet trolling and whatnot. That's almost comical. Yeah. In, in, a, in, a, in itself... I mean, considering how much money both these clubs have, right. that's a drop in the bucket. In, 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 exactly. In, in itself, it's not that big of a deal. It's what then followed it that made it kind of sour me a little bit. Because, see, right on the surface, we can start by saying, you know, the Rays as a franchise, they don't draw. They play in this dump. You know, they, they just have issue after issue uh, as, as, as a franchise. When the Yankees leave town, the next team that's coming in are the Washington Nationals for an interleague series. So the Nationals, as we all know, their superstar is Bryce Harper, who mm-hmm. in, in its himself is a model of poor sportsmanship from time to time. Mm-hmm. 
Bryce, as we all know, is going to be a free agent at the end of this year, and it's widely speculated that he will be the most lucrative free agent in the history of baseball. You know, people are speculating that the Yankees will just open up their pocketbooks and pay him four hundred million dollars to to come play with them and whatnot. And it's it's kind of yeah. I mean, it goes back and forth. That in itself over how many years? Over could be ten years. years. Yeah. So that's insane. It's completely insane. But here's what they did: every time Bryce Harper came up to bat. As a visiting player, they played either New York, New York, or that New York song that uh, Jay-Z released back in 2009. You know, anything that had some sort of New York-related theme to it. Because, you know, as home players have their own walk-up music and visitor Mm -hmm. players usually don't, they were basically doing this to, to poke fun at the fact that they assumed that Bryce Harper would end up with the Yankees next year and kind of, you know. Is that why they did that? Yes. They were basically doing it to. Was to that confirmed? Him. Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Um, which to me doesn't make any sense because the Yankees are in the Rays division. So you're basically poking fun at him saying, yeah, you're going to go to our, our rival who's then going to become better and defeat us even more. Right. Like, what are you doing? Um, the team itself was at the time below 500, mm-hmm. you know, struggling to to stay afloat. In my opinion, why don't you just play the game? Why do you have to go through all of these stunts to to make yourself known? You know, it just speaks to the idea of how pu- publicity and public relations play a, a, a completely different role that doesn't necessarily align with general common sense and morality sometimes. It's almost as if like the antics of the players kind of make their way up to f- to the front office. Exactly, Our, the know? superstars can do it. Why can't we do right. it? Right. Which is in essence kind of the same thing that happens between the superstars and our young athletes. You know, the the kids see the superstars act a certain way that makes them think that they have carte blanche to then do the same thing. If a superstar can can bash an umpire, why right. can't the ten year old kid tell off the umpire as well? Yeah, you know it's it's pretty ridiculous. I wonder what kind of speaker did they say? What kind of speaker it was? They didn't. Three, so three thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just have that laying around. So why don't we just donate to the cause and write it off? How would you write it off? They, I don't know. They, they just write. They it off. just write it off. You don't even know what a write off is. No. Do you? Do you? No. no. Well, they're the ones who are writing it off. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh. Anyway, now that we've uh, done that bit, so this is one. This is a story um, that happened uh, around the Mets. We have a couple of Mets stories, actually. Paul Laduca is a former player for the Mets, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. He and he, as as an aside, should also say was busted for PEDs. Now I don't think he was ever suspended, but it's widely known that he was involved with PEDs. Is he on the Mitchell? I report? believe he's in the Mitchell report. Um, you know, so there's 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 a history. Okay. Um, one of the beat writers for MLB.com who follows the Mets, uh, Anthony DeComo, um, kind of put out a sarcastic tweet again. Not really necessary, kind of like the, the, the Rays and their speaker stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you when you see what follows, this doesn't even hold a candle to the real issue. So DeComo tweets out during this one game between the Mets and the Diamondbacks, the Mets put runners on second and third with no outs. Guess if they scored. And then he gets the score at the bottom, D-backs one, Mets nothing, middle of the second inning. So... In itself, right off the bat, you're like, and he's a beat writer for, for MLB. So, but for the Mets, right? Well, he follows the he Mets follows, for MLB. Oh, I see. So, okay. in itself, he probably shouldn't have done that from the get go. No. But anyway, so the tweet generated some buzz, and a lot of the fans voiced frustration, uh, more so for the team because you know Mets fans are very passionate, right? Okay. Um, former Mets catcher Paul Laduca took a very bizarre shot at Decomo. Um, with a and has since deleted his tweet by stating, "quote uh, 
Gotta love a beat writer who bashes his team constantly, but played tuba in the band in high school. Great work, Major League Baseball. So, so what the hell is that supposed to be? Yeah, what does that have to do with anything? Okay. ESPN senior writer Keith Law then added his two cents and fired some shots at LaDuca and said, Paul LaDuca, who's used steroids and HGH as a player and encouraged teammates to do the same and cheated on his wife with a 19-year-old when he was 34. What? Is here to try to denigrate a beat writer's character. LaDuca responded to Law calling the tweet a, quote, punk move. LaDuca replied by saying, Encouraged, LOL. You went so far out of the lane. You don't know me one bit. Believe what you read, Keith. This was a punk move and you know it. Had nothing to do with you. DeComo had the last word, however, when he sent out the game-ending tweet. The final, D-back 7, Mets 3. The GOAT, as in greatest of all time, tuba players everywhere. <laughs> the stat, 12 losses last 13 games. The streak, lost the last four. The record, 28-38. and 38. The 162-game pace, 69-93. and 93. The emoji, a tuba. I think, I think technically it's actually a French horn because I don't know if they have a tuba emoji, but you oh. get the, the the gist of it. That's great. Um, did, so he play, did he play tuba? He did. Huh. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And it's very cool, actually. He should join our orchestra. He really should. Um, <laughs> I, guess, I guess the point here, because we got to be fair. I'm not sure if what DeComo did to start it was necessary. I don't think it was necessary that he kind of... It's you see, I think I would just interrupt you just oh, for a second. Absolutely. So I think I can answer that by saying it was sort of inappropriate because it was germane to his job, right? Whereas the tweets were definitely not appropriate from Laduca because he had he didn't have to do that, right? At all, right? Um, you know, you don't want to you don't want it to become the situation of well he started it, but. I mean, I don't know. I guess both parties are kind of at fault. Well, put it this way. Again, and I'm not going to try and defend Decomo. When you when you understand the motives behind Decomo, yeah, it's germane to his job, but at the same time he's probably also a fan. Which you can't really get let get involved in your journalistic integrity, okay? Mm-hmm. But let's look at the general frustration of New York Mets fans in, you know, right now. Okay? They're very frustrated with their team. They're they're not happy with the direction it's going. It's been a complete and utter failure this season for so whatever reason. Misery knows comp- exactly. Company, so I guess. so so his sarcastic yeah. remark really doesn't fall out of line with what the general public is feeling, especially when you look at the responses that most people had to it, who were not named Paul Laduca. Those responses are usually not frustration at Decomo. They're basically saying, "Yeah, I can't believe they didn't score." This is mm-hmm. ridiculous. And it's not like DeComo came out and said anything offensive, didn't say anything um, insulting. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was just a frustra- a frustration, a frustrating moment that he probably, you know, didn't need to say, but didn't really harm anybody, you know? Because right. that kind of leads into the next moral code discussion of, well, can you be a little out of line versus a lot out of line? Is one worse than the other? And I think that's an interesting debate to have. We don't have to get into it too mm. too deeply, but it's something to at least provoke some thought. I think it was it was in a way unprofessional, but maybe to the point where it could be sort of endearing in right. a way yeah. to show that he's sort of down to earth as a fan. He's trying to relate to the fans who read. I mean, he's, he writes for the purposes of the fans to read his stuff. So, so in, in a way, he's possibly is that trying... Sports, is that sportsmanship? Right. I mean, because, you know, that's... that's um, It's very observational. Is that sportsmanship in the media? Is that... Right. Should he should he have not poked that giant, so to speak? Should he have not aligned himself with the misery of Mets fans in order to relate to them? It's an interesting question. That is an interesting question. You know? But I think the important thing to take here is is that put that aside and see what happened following that. And whatever argument you're going to have about Decomo, 
that is a drop in the ocean compared to what followed. Right. So it's not what you're presented with; it's what how you react to exactly. it. Exactly. Which, which really, I mean, which we've said numerous exactly. times before, as we as we see in, in sportsmanship all the time. Okay, you get a bad call. You don't, you know, it. it yeah, it's a shame. It stinks, but it's how you react to that bad call mm-hmm. that really defines you as a sportsman. It's not the fact that you were subject to it, right? You know. We, I think we, I think we have a tendency to not understand that when we're examining this. Is that what the you know the the, the direct incident is only a piece of the puzzle? It is the indirect responses to those incidents that complete that puzzle and and really help define us as as human beings. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it goes back to the idea of you know money is not the root of all evil. Money itself is not evil. No. It's the way that we thirst for it. It's the way that we use it. It's the greed and and and, st- and the selfishness. It's the response to money. Right. That mo money mo problems. Exactly. Except, I wouldn't mind having more money. I, I you, you, <laughs> that would solve a lot of problems. You're not getting an argument out of me. <laughs> Speaking of the Mets, I got one more Mets story here in. Uh, in bad sportsmanship land, okay? So, Mets manager Mickey Calloway earned his first ejection uh, back on... Uh, it was uh, mid-June. Yeah, it was the 12th of June. Um, he, got, uh, he got ejected over uh, a call of the batter's failure to attempt to avoid being hit by a pitch. Basically, oh, you told me. Yeah, I think basically, you told what, me what happens this. is when a when a when a pitched ball hits a batter in baseball, we automatically assume that the the batter is going to be awarded first base for being for being hit by the pitch. Mm-hmm. However, if the if the hitter you know puts himself in harm's way to get hit by the pitch, he's not awarded first base. You know, he's out. No, he just it's it's just a dead ball and either it's either a ball or a strike depending upon where it would have been. Exactly. I mean, it may not even be a ball. Like I'll give you an example. Um if a if a pitch hits a batter, like hits him in the wrist as his wrist is in the strike zone, it is a dead ball strike because the pitch was a strike. But it hit him. Still counts as a so strike. Still counts as a strike. But the ball is dead. No runners can advance, and we, we we continue on. Okay, if the if the pitch is a ball, and the and the the batter leans into it to try and get hit, it's not a ball. It's just a dead ball. But the runner is not awarded first base because you don't. So it's want, a wasted pitch. Exactly because you don't want to reward the batter for doing for... something technically illegal now in fairness there's no penalty though? there's well no the penalty is you don't get first base you have to continue your at bat because so can i can i can i expand upon this a little because this ahead. is kind of interesting uh-huh what if i mean you would have you would have to have a pretty masochistic batter what if the batter keeps intentionally <laughs> getting hit by the ball to wear down the pitcher it's because then because there's no ball or strike awarded i mean besides getting tons of bruises and some possibly broken bones that, <laughs> that might that go ever down happened? as one of the dumbest things i've ever heard but hey it's possible listen based on some of the stuff you've told me yeah. already I don't see it outside of the realm of possibility. For what, it, for what it's worth, I wouldn't be surprised if a pitcher picks up on this and then just decides to start plunking him directly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play your game, you rogue. But how does an umpire call that? It is a, <laughs> from, from my perspective, it is a very tough thing to call because the idea that, that, that we hear a lot with the argument is, well, he never made an attempt to get out of the way. Well, if he just stands there, and, and gets hit by the pitch. It's kind of like, where is he going to go? You know, if it was a 90-mile-an-hour fastball and it's headed for his hip, he doesn't have that much time to react. 
So it's going to hit them, you know? If it's a curveball, like a slow curve, and he just stands there and takes it, and it could, he could have had time to get out of the way, now we have a different story, hmm. you know? Um, there's a lot of things like that that go into play here. Normally, when I'm umpiring, as a little secret, if a guy gets hit, he's really got to show me that he did not try and get out of the way or that he leaned into the pitch for me to say, you stay right here and continue the at-bat. You know, or it has to be a dead ball strike. It's got to be like it hit him while the ball was in the strike zone. Hmm. Okay, because it's like you said, it's a very tough thing to to officiate. Okay, yeah. Um, and for your hilarity, as our good friend Gil Imber likes to do the alliteration, mm-hmm. and I quote: "Curveball contact causes Callaway's chaotic conniption and chucking by Cruz Canadian." <laughs> Because Stu Sherwater, who was the home plate umpire, is the only Canadian umpire in the major leagues. Really? Yeah. It's a kind of interesting little tidbit there. Hmm. Now, the reason that I bring this up is because a lot of people are talking about, like, how earning your first career ejection is this, like, rite of passage and whatnot. We talked about it with Aaron Boone and whatnot. I'd like to just bring a point up that was made regarding this ejection that I think kind of encapsulates my, you know, my point of view. A, a writer named Matt uh, Eholt tweets the following. Callaway did not get any congratulations on his first ejection, said his daughters cried. His daughters cried over his ejection. Sorry, I'm assuming they're young? Yes, they're young. Okay. But the idea being that these kids, his own kids, are trained in a way to realize good and bad, realize punishment, you know, cause and effect, you know, consequences for actions. What are we telling? If, we're, if we are trying to get our children to understand that there are consequences for negative actions, what are we telling them as we in sports continue to go along and not have regard for these types of consequences we have completely lost our minds from the standpoint of saying it's okay to get tossed it's okay to get a technical foul it's okay to get these things it's part of the game it's not part of the game it is a reaction to poor behavior that serves no point and if you think that it's a part of the game should probably get your head checked out. What's the longest that a manager has not been ejected? Oh, that's a good question because managers in Major League Baseball, they're, they're the ones who get tossed the most. But like, let's say a new manager, like what's the longest the new manager has gone, gone without No, 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 that's ejected? a good question. Maybe I mean, not. if anything, I mean, I don't want to say we should reward that. Like not getting ejected, right. but I feel like with all the complacency and and just accepting that ejections are part of the game, I feel like we almost have to. I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll tell you what. If I can remember, I'll shoot a note to Gil, see if he can find this information, see what he's got. Okay. All right. I mean, it's an int- it would be interesting to know. It is. It is. Because you almost wonder, do managers get ejected more and more and more now than they used to? Well, you do have to note this. The number of ejections has has changed. I won't say they're more or less because of replay. Remember that prior right. to replay, managers would go out and argue over anything. Now, they don't have that ability. So what, you know, are they, are you know, it's, it's kind of a, a weird, I think it's a weird conundrum that they're still trying to figure out. Okay. Because I still think that some managers look for that opportunity to, quote, fire up their team. And it just, I think it's actually getting worse from this standpoint. This leads into our next, our next topic, okay? Mm-hmm. Our good friend John Tumpain, the umpire who saved that woman's life in Pittsburgh oh, last yeah. year. Oh, yeah. Okay? So, Tump as they call him, hmm. um, is uh, 
racking up a couple of ejections. He had uh, he had a couple of ejections on what I believe was Father's Day. Okay. Uh, he was working the plate uh, in Kansas City. And he ejected uh, Royals pitcher Danny Duffy for arguing balls and strikes from the dugout. And I believe he, he also ejected Mike Moustakas, who was the one who struck out and was arguing. So I think it was Moose and Duffy who were both, who were both tossed by, mm. by him. Okay, Danny Duffy took the opportunity after that to call out John Tumpain through the media, stating his belief that Tumpain's call uh, disproportionately uh, harms Kansas City. And I quote, I'm personally tired of getting punked by Tumpain. I think we all are, and I think it needs to be looked at. I'm not saying there's bias, bias there, but I'm sure it will go back to whoever it needs to go back to. First of all, D- Danny, you are saying there's bias there. So don't even try that. Right. Secondly, <clears throat> all of the pitches that Danny was arguing were correctly officiated. So Danny doesn't even have a leg to stand on, mm. okay, because Tump did his job properly. Um, it says here in the report from Gill, of Tumpain's last 10 ejections, five have featured members of the Royals, approaching numbers resembling Toronto's purported feud with Vic Carapaza when the Blue Jays at one point comprised six of eight consecutive Carapaza ejections. The quality of correctness associated with all five of these Tumpain Kansas City ejections is 100%. Every single call that resulted in an ejection for Kansas City by John Tumpain was correctly officiated. Okay? Hmm. Here's the opinion, uh, the op-ed from Gill himself. The accuracy of a statement like Duffy's is difficult to evaluate. The numbers indicate Tumpain's strike zone on Sunday did not favor either team at a statistically significant level. And not even the Moustakas play at home plate. This was, oh, this was another situation where, where Moustakas was called out on the field. They thought they were viewed and thought he was safe and the call stood. Um, the, not even the Moustakas play at home plate proved conclusive on video replay. However, thanks to our replay review database, there is one statement Duffy made that can be better analyzed for its accuracy. We get punked by replay all the time. Other than belying Duffy's extensive vocabulary, the assertion that Kansas City is disproportionately placed at a disadvantage by replay review is categorically false by a significant margin. Entering that game in question, Kansas City was the most successful team in the league at replay, with video coordinator, uh, I'm going to screw up this last name, Billy Duplicia, helping guide this club to an MLB best 17 overturned calls out of 20 chances. Now, that stat line reads 17 of 21, which is an 8-10 percentage, which is still tops in baseball ahead of second place San Francisco at the time, which was at 765. They were 13 for 17. Actually, Kansas City is so good at not getting punked by replay all the time <laughs> that Duplicia is closing in on his third straight season of navigating the Royals to the top spot in replay review success. Hmm. Alas, it appears that this is just another case of umpire scapegoating and sour grapes, which ultimately means nothing and has no real merit. Remember that Todd Frazier did it, Ian Kinsler did it, um, Detroit did it. I mean, this is, you know, I don't even have words for it. It's just ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So... And I like Tump. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with anything that Tump says or does. Does he, does he, is he human? Yeah. Is he going to make some bad calls from time to time? Yeah. He had a game on, uh, I think it was, it was earlier this week um, in Baltimore when the Yankees were playing Baltimore. They had a doubleheader and he was behind the plate for game one. And uh, his strike zone, he might have missed a couple of pitches. But it happens. It happens. You know? It is what it is. I always find it funny where, you know, you have players and managers complaining about the call an umpire makes because they're losing. Right. Right? So 
you're not going to make that same complaint if you're winning. Exactly. <laughs> so like, so exactly. it's not, it's completely, if you're not going to make the same complaint while you're winning, what's the point then? Right. No, you're absolutely right. So you were absolutely it right. Just, it just, it's, I, I don't have words. As many things occur on this podcast there, I report the story and then I don't have words. Here's the final that's story the, of the that's day. That's usually the way to go about it. Exactly. Here's the final story of the day. This came out in mid-June, okay? And this is a long story. You might remember in 2015. Okay. Okay? Going back into time a little bit here. Mm-hmm. So getting the DeLorean. In 2015, Chase Utley slid into Ruben Tejada in the playoffs, broke his leg. Right. Okay. Yep. I remember that. As a result of this in the playoffs, they instituted that bona fide slide rule. Okay. With the spikes up? Basically, it was more along the lines of um, you can't go out of your way to quote unquote break up a double play in the manner that Chase Utley did. You basically have to be able to touch the bag and remain on the bag when you're sliding into second base. So there has to be a trajectory. There. Exactly. You can't you, veer off. You target. can't veer. You can't go so far out of your way to to hit a player so as to try and break up that double play. Gotcha. Okay. Because the intent to injure is there, and that's not cool. So in 2016, you may remember. I believe it was around Memorial Day. The Mets were playing the Dodgers, and Noah Syndergaard was on the mound. And Noah Syndergaard's first pitch to Chase Utley, who was on the Dodgers, sailed behind him to send the message of, you know, this is retaliation. From a year ago? From a year ago. Mm -hmm. So, home plate umpire Adam Hamari, who was filling in at the time, immediately ejects Syndergaard. Okay? Right off the bat. Right off the bat. Wow. Does not hesitate. And then ejects Terry Collins. Do you the, think that's the right call? Based upon what I'm going to tell you, it is. Okay. Okay? Then eject, He then ejected Terry Collins, the then manager of the Mets. Okay? Now, the reason that this came up again now two years later in 2018 is because during that game... Tom Hallian, who was the crew chief for the umpires, Mm -hmm. was wearing a microphone. In the collective bargaining agreement uh, between the umpires and Major League Baseball, it said that for certain games, they would mic certain umpires on the the agreement that they could use the audio only for good things. They couldn't use negative audio. So basically, like, you know, if you hear an umpire having a funny conversation with somebody, they can show it on on TV or something Mm -hmm. like that, okay? Uh, I remember once when, um, I think it was this year, also from Tom Hallion's crew is uh, Phil Cuzzy, who hails from New Jersey. So he had a mic on, and... uh, he was working the plate for a Yankees-Angels game, and the guy who was catching for the Angels was making his Major League debut. So they listened to the conversation between uh, Cuzzy and the kid who was coming out to make his debut, and they were talking about the good sportsmanship of that was and how he was welcoming to him and you know all that good stuff. Good. Um, many years ago, Mark Carlson was wearing a mic when he was working the plate uh, at Fenway for a Yankees-Red Sox game, and in the middle of an inning, a vendor... Uh, who had come all the way down to the field level to give somebody a soda or a beer or something, fell over the railing and dropped all of his beer and soda and whatnot onto the field of play. Oh. So in between innings, Carlson was talking with one of the bat boys, and they were like, the heck just happened? They, you know, like It was pretty funny to listen to. It, oh, you know? it was, wow. so, so stuff like that. Huh. You know, they're, they're trying to humanize the umpires a little bit. Good. Okay, So anyway, for whatever reason... Um, the audio of this conversation, this okay, of 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 Tom Hallion, who was mic'd up during this incident, mm-hmm. found its way out of the Fox archives and onto the internet. It first got out in October of 2017, and then made a second life just recently uh, in uh, in June. Okay, um, it says here in this report from uh, from Close Call Sports and Gil Imber. Um, Ultimately, what had happened was 
a heads-up report, okay? Uh, MLB sends a heads-up uh, report, part of their heads-up program, to the umpires uh, to basically warn them of certain situations. And uh, in this particular play... Like, like past feuds and Exactly. Whatnot. The report to, uh, to <clears throat> Hallion's crew stated that the Dodgers-Mets could have this in play when their series started. Okay? So, basically, they, uh, they knew that this was coming. Okay? Gotcha. Hallion, or I'm sorry, Hamari, ejected Syndergaard as soon as it happened. Okay? Hallian is crew chief, as you could hear from this clip, which I don't know if you can find on the internet anymore. We'll get into that next. He demonstrated qualities of teamwork, leadership, and empathy that really shows the, the true meaning of what it is to be an umpire and a crew chief, okay? This is the transcript. Tom Hallian said this? Tom, Hall- Tom Hallian is the one who I'm saying had all this stuff. Okay. This is the transcript of what you heard on the video through Hallian's mic, okay? okay. So, Syndergaard just gets tossed. He's standing there confused. The crowd's going wild, blah, 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 blah. Hallian, who is at first base, immediately rushes in and gets right in front of Syndergaard before he can do anything. And Hallian says to him, you're done. Syndergaard says, are you effing kidding me? Hallian, no, you can't do that. Not in that situation, man. Syndergaard, I'm trying to throw an effing fastball. Hallian, no, that ain't going to happen. I knew you were going to say that, but that ain't going to happen. That's the wrong time to do it. That's all. Syndergaard then says something uh, not audible. Hallian, it is what it is, but that ain't going to happen. Our blank is in the jackpot if we don't do something there. I'm telling you that. So now the rest of the infield has come in to kind of talk to Hallian at, you know, as this is happening. Okay, mm-hmm. Neil Walker, who was playing for the Mets at the time, the second baseman comes over says to says to Hallian, shouldn't there be a warning beforehand? Hallian says, no, the situation of what happened and everything else, that's what dictates that, okay? Walker says, but there was no prior knowledge of that before the game started. I mean, if Terry comes into the dugout and says, quote, if someone gets hit, end quote, then, and Hallian says, Neil, everybody knows what the situation is, okay? As if to say, don't play that, that, that card. We all know right. what happened. Okay, we've all been warned. <clears throat> At which point, now Collins has come out of the dugout and has gone ballistic on Hamari and has gotten tossed. Hallian, While Hallian's having the discussion? This so now oh Hallian gosh. turns to Dan Bellino, who was working third base, and t- telling him to go take Syndergaard to, to keep him out of harm's way after he's been ejected, Okay. Collins is now ranting at, at Hamari using language that has gotten plenty of players suspended in the past. Okay, The words that you hear, I cannot believe that, you, that someone would ever say these words to another human being like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's, it, it, was, it was absurd. Hallian's now yelling at, at Terry Collins, going, Terry, Terry, get a handle. Come on, let's go. Talk to me. Terry, talk to me. So he's basically leading him away from Hamari. Collins, Tommy, that's effing BS and you know it. You got to give us a shot, Tom. Hallian, listen to me and hear what I'm saying, okay? You get your shot. You had your shot right there in the situation. You know the situation, Terry. You know the situation, Terry. Collins, I know. Why can't we get a shot, Tommy? Hallian, because that makes it worse. That makes it effing worse. Collins, BS. When MLB did nothing to that guy. Nothing. Hallian, okay, I can't control that, Terry. You know as well as I do where I stand on the whole effing situation. Collins, blank darn it. You're better than that, Tommy. You know that. (laughs) Hallian. (laughs) You're better than that. Yeah, exactly. Hallian, (laughs) Terry, listen, I'm telling you. Our butts are in the jackpot now, okay? I'm just telling you. Collins makes more profane remarks. Hallian, you know what? You got it. You got everything out? And then he he finally walks away. Collins does. Hmm. Basically, so Amari made the ejection. Hamari ejected Syndergaard. Right. Okay. When that starts, and Hallian knew what was going Hallian, on. All four umpires knew what was going on. Hallian cuts in to intercept Syndergaard to prevent anything from happening. Okay. Hamari then is basically walking out to try and get mm. in front of Chase Utley and anything else like that. Terry Collins comes out to start arguing with Hamari. 
the other two umpires who were Phil Cuzzy and Dan Bellino start coming in to try and also keep the peace. Now Collins is arguing with Hamari, starts calling him names. He gets ejected. So now Collins, real, or I'm sorry, uh, Hallian realizes he's got to take care of Collins. So he tells Bellino, <laughs> you take care of Syndergaard. Right. And he, he cuts over to get Terry away from Hamari. Now, you said that the umpires were sent this information. Right. But don't the players and managers know that the umpires were sent this information? Well, not only that. So they, they have no leg to stand on. Not then. only that, but as Hallian was saying to everybody, basically, are you that dumb to think that we're not aware of what has happened? Everybody and their mother knows what's going on here. You've got to be, you've got to be out of your mind to think that this isn't the case. You can't play that ignorance card there, as he was right. saying to Neil Walker. Um, now... What makes this worse is that as soon as this clip got out again and was making the rounds, MLB then went on a tirade to erase that clip from the internet because of the agreement in the collective bargaining agreement with the umpires that states that that stuff isn't supposed to get out. And Who leaked it? Do we know? We don't know who leaked it. Okay. Um, and basically, Rob Manfred, the, the commissioner, kind of gave this blame the umpires type reaction without actually saying it for why that video had to be removed. You know? And the, the ultimate call here, again from Gill, is that when you look at the comparison to the other sports, Access to this stuff is another thing that helps drive interest, okay? All of the other sports have some sort of way of promoting this stuff. MLB does not. In fact, MLB goes out of their way to say they cannot, that fans cannot post highlights because that, that that content is the property of Major League Baseball. Right. Okay. You hear that disclaimer exactly at the beginning of every whereas and end of every broadcast. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the other, like in the NBA, um, Commissioner Adam Silver has said we promote the posting of our highlights. We an- we analogize our strategy to snacks versus meals. If we provide those snacks to our fans on a free basis, they're still going to want to eat meals, which are our games. Hmm. There's no substitute for the live game experience. We believe that greater fan engagement through social media helps drive television ratings. So why isn't it like that for baseball? That's a good question. Do you think it has to do with the fact that less and less people are watching it? See, I think that at the end of the day, the, 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 the collective bargaining agreement does require this, this, this stuff to stay out of the public's eye, okay? Um, so there's really nothing that they can do about it legally. They have to, they have to take this course of action. But this now raises a bigger question about what does MLB have to do with this if there's going to be all this backlash about them following their own rules. You know, it's like getting yelled at for following the rules. Right. You know? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> it's, you know, it's just... it's just. Um, so maybe they should change it. it it's, it's, it's something that maybe they need to... Un, you know. And here's the thing, too. Because I think it's sort of like what you said was sort of gives a little tease, you know, the highlights on social media. I, th- I think it's kind of fun. Well, it is kind of fun. I think I think that the issue here is look at it from the from the umpires perspective. Baseball umpires and officials in general have a very unfortunate reputation through no fault of their own, more than likely. Okay, as we just discussed, everyone's hate of officials and right. yada yada yada. Okay, so. So, so to, to, to combat that, the umpires don't want that stuff out there. And who can blame them? You know, so you have to, so you, maybe, the, maybe instead, 
the reaction should be MLB getting in front of this and saying, yeah, it's out there. This is unfortunate. This is what happens. And we've, we've un- unfortunately, because this video was leaked, it has violated the collective bargaining agreement. We apologize for that. We're going to do our best to make sure that never happens again. And we're in, in discussions with their union to compensate them for that and some, you know, something like that. I'm just kind of riffing here. But, you know. But then again, not to interrupt. No, but, go ahead. But isn't the whole point of baseball not to pay attention to the umpire? Like, like, you you know, you're almost sort of doing everyone a disservice by, by highlighting this. Oh, I I don't, I don't disagree. So you sort of, I mean, they're there to do a job. They're there to officiate and yeah, you get frustrated, but why are you showcasing all of this? I guess obviously it's for appeal. Right. And, and you know what? I'm not going to lie. The fact that we're talking about this says that, you know, we're paying attention. Right. So there is a certain aspect of, dare I use the word entertainment right. to all of this, because there is, it's a little juicy mm-hmm. and I'm, 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 I'll admit that. But again, that work, you were human, right? Right. So, so, but the overall, the overarching point to this is, you know, when you're watching a game, you're not supposed to notice the umpires. Right. They're just doing their job. You're supposed to watch the game because you're you're seeing a friendly contest between two groups of athletes. That's it's, that's the whole point of it. It's almost like they're trying to say, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Rather than yeah. rather than saying, This is what happens. This is how our sport works. Right. You know, it's unfortunate because we, Right. They're drawing attention by saying don't pay attention exactly, to it. Exactly. Exactly. So it's there's another psychological. There needs to be there needs to be an examination of it from that standpoint because, let's face it, their hands are tied from the standpoint of what the CBA says. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do about that. Right. So this the, the discussion that gets had is outside of the legal side of it, outside of the the contract that was made, mm-hmm. and that is to say, are they doing a disservice by not just admitting it? But can they admit it? You know, so it's 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 a very murky subject. I'm trying to think of a parallel. They're trying to stuff the cat back in the bag. You there know, was, there was an episode of The Office. Okay, where um, Dunder Mifflin, the the paper company, their paper mill made paper stock with an offensive watermark in it okay and it got out to all these distributors and they're like they're they're the whole office is getting calls like complaints do you call more attention to it by issuing a formal apology with a press conference or do you just let it blow over and just let it work itself out right you know i feel like with a situation like this which was a funny episode by the way <laughs> Um, the watermark, I can't describe it here, but it was really funny. <laughs> uh, but but the point the point is, sort of to piggyback on what you were saying, do we call more attention to this leak by constantly talking about it and sort of inflating it? Or does MLB come out and say, okay, well, we realize what happened happened. Right. Let's just work it out right. and move on. How many times in life do we see that? Just in general. Yeah. You know? The more you try and suppress something, the more it explodes later. Right. Exactly. So just let it blow over. Right. It, it, I mean, we know how social media works. Mm-hmm. What's popular one day is who forgets it the next day. Right. I mean, even within a few hours, people already forget stuff. I mean, that was The done- attention span is so, is so short that it doesn't make a difference. All of these articles in this situation all happened mid-June. Okay, it's now mid July, mm-hmm. and has anybody really talked about it? No, other than us, right? You know, so, so now we're now we're bringing it up again. We're terrible people. <laughs> we are, but it just goes to show you that you know. I guess what we're doing is trying to prove a point where that n- none of our listeners would have known right. or remembered if we hadn't said anything. Mm-hmm. So, I, in the future, if something like this happens, just accept that it happened. Right. 
do your best to avoid it happening again if it's in your contract right. or the collective bargaining agreement or maybe change it to say you know let's why don't we just be cool with stuff like this maybe show that baseball can be you know more of a human it adds definitely more of a human element to have this stuff exposed i i would i would i would i'll close with this I'm curious to know what aspect about it is the is the main culprit that either party wants to suppress. Is it the naughty language? You know, is that what it is? Is it, oh, we can't have naughty language like this representing our sport? I don't know what the answer is because I and, feel- and as Lewis Black says, there's no such thing as bad language, right? <laughs> you know, exactly. like I mean, it. it Yes, it's unsportsmanlike to use that directed towards someone. But if you're pissed off about something, maybe at yourself, for example, right. for a bad play you made, yeah, say some four-letter words yeah, exactly. to get to get the. It's better than taking it out physically on right. someone. Yep. So I mean, it. it but go ahead. No, but that, but I, I I mean I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know. I, all the only people that can speak to that are. You know, the people involved. So, just something to chew on, if you will. Right. Well, I think that kind of wraps things up. We, we've, covered, yeah. we've covered the entire potpourri. This is a good one. Yeah, of things that we have not gotten to in the last month or so. Yeah. You know, so... I think um, we'll be good for a while. Yeah, I think so. We've, <laughs> we've, instead of suppressing it, we let it all out. Right. So... Uh, so, Sean, thank you for, for everything as always. A pleasure. And uh, mm-hmm. as, as we've said before... Um, contact us via email, podcast at osafoundation.org, facebook.com slash osafoundation, twitter at osafoundation, hashtag how you play the game. And be sure to use the, uh, the, the form on our website now, osafoundation.org. You can go to the how you play the game tab and see the submit a story form. And uh, if you've got something you want us to talk about, uh, send it in. Or if you've got thoughts about the psychological aspects of, of, the, of these sportsmanship incidents, Please. Absolutely. Anything and everything. We want to hear from you. We, we this is the only way that these problems get solved is through is through discussion and examination. Mm-hmm. So so get involved. You know, you don't have to be involved a lot. Just let's hear. It. Let's yeah. talk about it. So that's it for now. Everybody uh, enjoy yourselves. We'll see you all in a couple of weeks and until then treat each other with respect. How you play the game is a production of the Osip Foundation Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osafoundation.org. If you're interested in advertising on How You Play the Game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org.